start small, but momentum is really, really powerful and let that work for you. And, you know, the key to building momentum is starting small. And the question I always ask myself is, what's the least I can do without doing nothing? Because that forces action and it also makes the action seem very doable versus daunting. excited for today's episode. We have some big ideas we want you to take into next year with you. Some ideas, some thoughts, some things to work on um, that I know will help you. But first, we have a very powerful PSA that I want Haley to share with you because it really is powerful. Well, thanks, Adam. Um, Yeah, I was just giving some thought to, you know, we've done a lot of prep, a lot of talk about coming into the holidays, trying to help everybody stay focused, be realistic, um, put some plans together so we're not in the ditch on the other side of it. But we haven't really talked about like what happens when the holidays are over. And I had this thought in my head. I was like, oh, you know that feeling of like, all you want to do is go home and get in your own bed when your vacation is over. That's what the feeling is once we get through the holidays, we just want to get back in our own bed, our own proverbial bed. And I thought we could just talk just a little bit about how to prepare yourself for that moment of transition out of the holidays and back into routine. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's really smart. It's a good idea. So just very tactically, a couple of things I do. First of all, don't make any big changes. Don't go nuclear on New Year's. All right. Like, don't do that to yourself. Don't set your bed on fire. <laughs> is really the image I'm talking about here. Think about what you were doing before the holiday mayhem and do a version of that. Plan for that. So if that involves some meal planning and meal prep, just ease back into that. You know what? A great time to kind of start doing all that stuff, at least for me, if you're on the road or in a plane and you have a minute, sketch out some plans while you're in the car. So doing some of that more logistical stuff so that when you land at home, it's not total chaos and you don't know where to begin. Um, So those are some of the things that I do. Also, don't overcommit. Don't go back to like 15 kids activities and overcommitting on volunteering and meetings and being like the person to call. Um, Just keep commitment low still, right? We're all coming off of a lot, most of us anyway. So don't overcommit and prioritize sleep. Let's let's catch up. It's dark sooner, earlier, longer. Sleep more. It's okay. It's okay. You don't need to be there in the gym with all the gym bunnies at 5 a.m. every morning because it's January. At least that's my image of getting back to our own bed, right? What do you think? Adam? Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, you know, I think it's really challenging when you kind of come from a season or a months of like lots of momentum and then maybe you've slowed down the last few weeks or you're going to slow down the next few weeks. And then you kind of feel like, you know, a slow, right? You don't have momentum. You don't feel energized and it's really hard to get back to what you were doing. Um, But I think it's important to remember that, you know, you can quickly go from being in a state of inertia to a state of momentum. And it starts with small actions, small choices, you know, kind of let, I always imagine like, you know, uh, the engines revving up, right? Let them rev up a little bit. You know, you don't have to go back to your full workout if that seems daunting or doing certain things that, you know, it's like, how did I do that? Start small. But momentum is really, really powerful. 
and let that work for you. And, you know, the key to building momentum is starting small. And the question I always ask myself is, what's the least I can do without doing nothing? Because that forces action and it also makes the action seem very doable versus daunting. Yeah. And that allows you to meet yourself where you're at, right? Very achievable. Exactly. Cool. So everybody look forward to getting back to your own bed in, I don't know, T minus a week. Is that too ambitious? <laughs> Listen, don't, don't do the new year's resolution thing and make yourself miserable. <laughs> Just get in your own bed. <laughs> yeah. All right, Adam. So should we move on to our big thoughts for 2024? Yes. Some big thoughts that I want you guys to think about, noodle on, chew on, work on, etc. So my first thought is learning how to turn down the effort dial is truly a superpower. And I know for so many of us, it is still so hard to have this medium ground. It's really all or nothing. And I'm sure the last few weeks have been this tricky time. But learning how to turn it down versus turning it off is truly a superpower. Learning how to say, all right, the idea is instead of all or nothing is it, it, the idea is always something is so powerful and it's a practice, right? Especially for people who are, you know, perfectionists or recovering perfectionists or feel like they always have to go hundred percent. It is really a tricky practice, but it does, it is practice to say, all right, I'm going to show up even though I can't do the scheduled workout I want to, or even though I can't eat exactly the way I want to, still showing up is so powerful. Yes, absolutely. And I tell people all the time, you know, I have some clients who are like, oh, but I'm really good at the all in. I'm really good at high intensity stuff. I'm really good at going hard. And it's like, great. We're not here for you to keep doing what you're really good at. We're here for you to get good at what you're not good at. And most of us, I mean, truth be told, most of us are not good at the gray area. Most of us are not real. We're chasing that ideal, right? I actually have a client, Adam, <clears throat> who was challenging herself to get in as many yoga classes. She was shooting for 100 by the end of the year. She made it to 90. But I tell you, she would not have made it to 90 if she had not offered herself the opportunity to dial it back in class when she wasn't feeling well. And she literally went to these yoga classes for a week and asked herself to go 50%, 50% so that she could get those numbers in. So, you know, practice the gray, practice the scaled down version, practice showing up, you know, despite your, you know, inability to be perfect, whatever that means. Um, it is so powerful. Uh, and, you know, it's absolutely worth practicing because yes, it is very easy to be all in when you're all in, but inevitably, you know, something is going to come up, right? Life happens. And, you know, life is crazy at times. And that's good. We want life to be crazy. It means things are busy, things are moving, our kids are around, whatever it might be. Like, that's good, right? But sometimes we just have to scale it back. And that's what I want you to think about. Always something instead of always nothing. All right. The next idea is I don't really believe in plateaus. I don't think plateaus exist, right? People tell me, hey, Adam, I've been eating really well. I've been exercising for weeks. Nothing is changing. In my experience, and I've been at this for a very long time, started my body tour in 2007, it's never a plateau. It's really a consistency issue. You're, you know, potentially eating more than you think. You're not exercising maybe as hard as you think you are. Whatever it is, it's never, it's almost never a plateau. It's a consistency issue. I mean, I feel like that's probably going to bring up some controversy. 
right? Like that is so drilled into our heads that there must be plateaus that exist. But I really love that you challenge us to see it differently. Like, nope, this just means let's look at the details. Let's look at the finer print here. What is missing from the, you know, from your, from your consistency or what is it that you're doing consistently that's keeping you where you're at, right? Like there's the other side of that coin. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I would, you know, again, unless you're, you know, very rarely does someone, unless you're at the upper echelon here, of like, you know, you're doing something, you're doing something, you're getting results, you're getting results. And then suddenly it stops working. Usually what happens is, you know, the number one reason why we stop succeeding is because we stopped doing what made us successful in the first place. Very rarely do we keep doing exactly what we were doing and then suddenly the train just stops or the engine just stopped moving. Something else is going on. And to your point, you know, we want to look at the details and I invite you to do that because it's really eye-opening when you do that and it's very empowering when you do that. Instead of just blaming it on a plateau, it's like, all right, let's get down to the details. Let's see what's going on. Yeah, there's a pathway out of here. Don't just assume you're broken and it's done and you're like, you know, stumped. No, just get curious, right? Yes. And if you're doing something consistently, right? Like sometimes I think people are just so consistent and get into the habit of doing the really great things, but almost like like they, they get in their own way because they're like, well, if breakfast isn't this every day, what is it going to be? And it's like, well, hey, change your breakfast and see if that changes anything or change up your your exercise routine or whatever the case is, right? Like sometimes it's good habits that need to be challenged as well, right? Like I always say, challenge every habit, even the good ones. Totally. Um, and on the flip side of all this, if you're seeing results and you're feeling good, you know, the other definition of insanity that no one talks about is stopping something that is already working. Right. I think we're so conditioned, you know, from social media or whatever it might be. It's like we constantly have to be changing this. We constantly have to be, you know, changing our workouts, you know, muscle confusion, all this stuff. If you're progressing and you're seeing results, keep doing what is working. Right. Like you don't need to change things just for the sake of changing. Um, however, you know, again, if you're stuck, I'm almost certain it is not a plateau. It is a consistency issue. I like it. Can't wait to hear what people think about that one. All right. The next one is, this is just a thought I think about a lot, is everything we do in terms of behaviors is almost always to avoid, that's an interesting way to put it, everything we do is almost always um, to avoid discomfort, right? Like there's so much of what we do is simply we're just trying to avoid discomfort. So, you know, uh, we're just, we're uncomfortable, we're frustrated, whatever it is, there's some sort of discomfort and practicing sitting with that discomfort is really powerful, right? Ultimately, procrastination is this uncomfortable feeling in our head where it's mental tension, we're working hard on something or we're not working at all, but there's some sort of mental tension and we can't deal with that. So we channel it away to, you know, read an article or go on social media or whatever it might be, right? That's a feeling of discomfort. At the end of the day, we're stressed, we're busy, we're, you know, uh, all sorts of stuff, right? That's a feeling of discomfort. We go to the kitchen and eat. If you really think about so much of what we do is trying to avoid discomfort. Yeah. Well, and I think one thing we talk a lot about, you mentioned, okay, let's just try to sit with the discomfort, right? And I almost like to give it like a personification. Like I imagine it's some weird version of me, maybe. 
like in a next dimension. And you just, how do you sit with it? How do you just be with it, not become it? Right. And I think that's the fear when you're not used to sitting with your discomfort is like, it's just going to be too much. It's just going to take over me. But it's not. It's just like this shadow version of you that you just have to learn to kind of be with. And it's okay. It's also information. So if we're constantly railroading that, we're not getting information we need to do things differently, which is ultimately our goal, right? We want to stop suppressing that, get the information and address needs better. Yeah. I think what you said also personifying it is really powerful. So, you know, sometimes just calling it the discomfort. Oh, there's the discomfort Adam and Haley were talking about. Or giving it a name. There's Donnie discomfort. Yep. Here he is again. You know, and if you're able to personify that, the idea is you're distancing yourself from it, but you're also recognizing it. And if you're able to recognize it, then you are not the discomfort, right? It's like your thoughts. If you can recognize your thoughts, you're not your thoughts. Um, so I find that it helps really to be like, yep, there's a discomfort there. I'm not going to let it win. Um, and just being able to separate yourself from the discomfort so you know you're not the discomfort, you're not in the moment, you can step out of it is truly a superpower. Um, and I always, as I you know, say often, like discomfort is our compass. Why? Because if we do what we've always done, we're going to feel comfortable and we'll get the same results and that could be good. Um, but if we want different results, if we want different outcomes, we have to do things differently. And when we do things differently, it feels uncomfortable at first. And again, I think sometimes discomfort gets this bad rap. It could be as simple as going a different way that you usually do. That's just going to feel uncomfortable at first because you don't usually go that way. Right. If you usually reach for the you know refrigerator at the end of the night and open it, it can feel, it's going to feel uncomfortable to not do that the first night. But discomfort lets us know we're heading in the right direction. That is why discomfort is our compass. So keep that in mind uh, going forward this coming year. You know, the question I always like to ask myself is where is my discomfort? And when I ask myself that I prepare for it, I seek it out because I know it's going to help me progress. Um, and it really is powerful. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. All right. What else do you have? Um, patience is key. We've all heard this before. Um, but I think on the other side of this is this feeling, and it's similar to what we talked about before, but it's worth mentioning. I think the opposite of patience is urgency and a rush. You're just, I need this now. I need this now. I need this now. Right. And when you have that, it forces you to go too hard, too fast, too soon, and you eventually burn out. And there's so many people that like feel like they have to be suffering. They have to be pushing themselves so hard, which is what they used to do. And then they always burned out. So try to let the, your discomfort be slow down and ask yourself, how can I lose this weight? How can I get healthy and fit in a way that will last, not in a way that will set me up for the next week, right? We want to switch that thinking from urgency to forever, really, to patience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think it's, you know, I think we've talked about this a lot, at least one-on-one, -on -one. asking people to be patient. Uh, I don't know, people will probably get furious with that, right? But I think if you can remember that diet culture and the way we've kind of set things up in the society, that's programmed us to think, that a patient, consistent, slow, steady pace to health is the wrong way. It's not. It's the healthy and sustainable way, right? It's how you don't lose your mind getting there, 
ultimately. You want to lose your mind and burn out? Okay. Otherwise, how do you behave while you wait? How do you behave while you make progress, right? That's patience. How do you behave while you what? Right. Those who ask, how can I lose this weight once and for all, are far more successful than those who say, hey, how can I lose this weight as quickly as possible? It's just a very different posture. It's a very different um, attitude. And, you know, again, ask yourself, how can you keep this off forever? That is what we're after, right? Not the short term. What's next? All right. Um, I touched on this, but I think a lot of people, or maybe not a lot of people, but I think for some people, they're eating more than they might think they are, right? And if you're mm. not seeing the results you want, you're either eating more than you think you are, or you're eating when you're not actually physically hungry. Okay. So how do we unravel that? The most simple way to do that is to challenge yourself to take a picture of everything you eat before you start eating. So the practice of pausing, checking with yourself, asking yourself, hey, am I hungry? Or am I eating to change the way I feel? And snapping a picture is such a powerful way to see if maybe you're eating more than you think you are. Because a picture does not lie. And again, the practice of pausing gives you a chance to check in with yourself before you eat as well. Okay. I do have clients who are very good about that, right? But they almost seem to be eating just in case. Hmm. I catch that a lot too, eating out of fear of being hungry, um, eating because they don't think they're getting enough protein, right? I need to eat all this protein. And listen, I mean, we can go off on a tangent on the whole macros thing, but right? Like, I think be careful of that as well. Do you catch yourself eating out of fear? Are you afraid of being hungry, right? So I just wanted to piggyback on there because I think sometimes we eat in excess because of fear. Yes. Two great points. So number one, hunger is not an emergency. I totally understand this fear of being hungry, this fear of not having enough, but I always remind myself, hunger is not an emergency. It's just a feeling. There's always food if we need be. Um, you know, I always tell my kids, like, we can always get more, we can always order more, there's always more. And I tell myself that too. It's like, all right, eat it, see how you feel, then reevaluate. Because if we have the food in front of us, we're likely going to eat it. Um, so hunger is not an emergency, helps uh, a lot. And also, to your point about the macros, so we won't go too far down this rabbit hole. But there are some people who are counting macros and they're trying to eat a certain amount of protein per day, right? Typically it's their, uh, you know, grams of protein per pound of body weight, right? And what I find is, and I actually did a talk about this recently and it really got a reaction. A lot of people are overeating just for the sake of getting a certain amount of protein grams in, right? And that's mm -hmm. defeating the purpose here, right? It's nice to have a, you know, if you want to, count macros or whatever, we'll leave that alone, but don't do it obsessively where you're overeating, right? I think the better thing to do is build every meal or snack you have around a protein. What protein am I eating? And start from there. But if you're obsessively eating mm -hmm. a certain amount of pro grams of protein, you're likely going to be overeating too. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's just one, that's one thing I see pop up pretty regularly in terms of people overeating kind of unconsciously. So just something to watch for. Yes. For sure. There's nothing magical about eating a certain amount of grams of protein per day if you're overeating and mm -hmm. you're trying to, you know, 
lose body fat, right? It's not going to help you. Yep. You're, you're, it's counterproductive. Um, yes. So I think we covered a lot of things. Actually, I know you, did you have a few things you wanted to add in? I just had two. I had two quick ones and I would love for people to, to, to let us know. Um, we, we talked about the tether earlier this year, the idea that I, I take to my clients and, and looking for a tether, that first thing you do in the morning that kind of connects you to your body, gets you tuned, gets you, you know, straight mentally, right? Like, and I, it's funny because it's, you know, this idea of kind of thrown around for a while with clients and I have a client right now who just kind of all of a sudden really locked into her tether. And she's like, it's my tether. I figured it out. This is my tether. It's making a huge difference in my day. So I'd love for everybody to go out there, 2024, find your tether. What is that one thing you can take with you anywhere in the world? And it just brings you right back to who you are and what you want and what you see for yourself in the future. And so that's that's one of my challenges. Um, and just so in case you're new to us, my tether every morning is yoga as as little as 10 minutes and I can take it anywhere. And it truly does. Like there are days I don't do very much at all. I might just lay in child's pose, um, but it does. It just brings me back to right here, the center, and it sets me up for a great day. And then the other thing, um, let's make 2024 the year of fun, right? Especially adults. We just stink at it. We just really do. And I have this one client. I love to talk to him every day because he tells me, he's like, well, if I'm having fun while I'm doing my work, these things are going to happen. And I'm like, that is so awesome that he just, he knows himself. He loves his work so much. And listen, I know we're not all, you know, granted the privilege of having fun while we work. Although Adam and I, we tend to have a lot of fun while we work, but, um, um, find fun, find fun in your day. The more fun you infect your days with, the less space there is for food. Right. And then food just becomes this like thing that shows up that you need every couple of hours to kind of keep you going. So 2024, find your tether and make fun a part of your to-do list. Those are my two things. I love it. I can, oh, I want to go riff on those two things, but um, <laughs> I think we'll leave it at that. Well, just two quick things. I think the tether, just for my own edification, it doesn't, doesn't have to be something first thing or it could just be what's one thing I do every day that helps me be the best version of myself. So it's a little tricky because I really do think in my mind, the tether is your most important thing. And I mean, there's all sorts of stuff on the internet, lots of science out there. Let's do our most important things first thing in the day, and then we don't have to worry about them. And if the tether is being done correctly, it is the most important thing. And it takes very little time and it sets you up to be the best version of yourself. So yeah, in my head, it does kind of have to be like first thing. Hmm. And again, like for the perfectionists out there, it's not like if you miss your tether one day, burn yourself to the ground. It's not that thing because there are definitely, you know, days and weeks where I'm ill or my kids are ill or whatever. And I get up and it's like, I can't get on the mat right now. Like that's just not going to happen. But you know what? I have so many references backlogged in my brain of my tether. I can literally close my eyes and I know this sounds really foo-foo. I get it. But literally close my eyes and imagine the feeling of being on my mat for just a moment. And it really helps. So in practice, the tether is the first thing you do. And it sets you up. And then you have reference points for the days you can't get to it. Love it. 
And the food, you know, absolutely, you know, the more fun you have, the less you'll have to rely on, on food for fun. And, but Adam, food is fun. I get it. Like food is fun, but it doesn't have to be all your fun, right? One of my favorite things to do is try different pizza places with my kids. And I'm always looking for the next pizza place to try. And I really believe anticipation is a key to happiness. Having things to look forward to is fun. And, you know, if I have an opportunity to try a new pizza place tonight or in a few days, I'd rather wait a few days because then I get to look forward to it for the next few days. It's like two for the price of one. I get to look forward to it. And then I actually, of course, get to savor the experience and then, of course, reflect on it. But to me, anticipation is a secret to happiness, quote unquote, for the there, there was quotes there for uh, the people listening and not watching. Um, <laughs> but, you know, food can be fun. Food is fun, but we don't want it to be all of our fun. Um, so I just wanted to add that in. I think we talked about a bunch of good things. Um, plateaus don't exist. Learning how to turn the effort dial down is a superpower. Um, patience is key. Everything we do is to avoid discomfort. Um, you might be eating more than you think. So all things to think about, um, this is a really awesome, incredible year. Um, I'm super excited for what's in store for 2024 for all of us. And, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I truly appreciate you. I wish you and your family a healthy and happy new year. And we look forward to uh, an awesome 2024 together. Best of everything, guys. We'll see you next year.